Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen, amen. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I had a very different morning than I usually do. I'm usually here really early, but I was able to, uh, I got here at 9.45 today, which I, like, that might be a first. So I got up, took my time, I got the kids up, made pancakes for them, just had a really laid back Sunday morning. So that was a different experience, but it's good to be here. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> So it's so good to be here. Uh, what an awesome time in worship. Um, man, I always loved the worship, but just the, the presence of the Lord was just so powerful here. It was just electric when I just walked into worship this morning. So I'm going to jump right into the message. Um, I have a very specific word today, and uh, we're going to jump right in. So Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to start in verse 34, and I think we have it for the screens, Matthew 22. Verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you sum up all the law and the prophets, it comes down to this. If we could just sum it up. Love God, love others. The entire Old Testament, sum it all up. Love God, love others. I want to read John. I'm going to read a few verses and we're just going to talk. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is Jesus. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what's his commandment? We just read it. He says, this is my commandment, love one another, just as I have loved you. He's not referring back to the Ten Commandments. He's saying, keep my commandment. He said, this is my commandment, love one another. And then lastly, 1 John 4, 19 we love because he loved, he first loved us. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray for open heart this morning, open hearts to receive everything that you have for us, Jesus. We thank you that as much as we understand what you did for us, Jesus, we're just scratching the surface. As much as we've experienced the Father's love, we're just barely scratching the surface. God, we pray for a fresh revelation of your love this morning. Fresh revelation of what you did for us, Jesus, on the cross. And and what a great, amazing demonstration of love that that was towards us, your children. So we thank you, God. We just pray for open hearts today to receive all that you have and and for a greater understanding of your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So there's a theme in these verses. And there's parallels even from what was commanded in the Old Testament to what was commanded to us by Jesus under a grace covenant. So in the Old Testament, love God, love others. New Testament, Jesus says, this is my command, love one another just as I have loved you. But Jesus gives us a huge key in John chapter 15, and it's echoed again in 1 John 4, 19 that, that we read. Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. And 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he loved us first. So if you want to experience love towards God, it doesn't start with what you're doing towards him. It starts with learning to receive. Receive, receive. We love because he loved. Isn't this the gospel? How did we come into faith? Receive. We received what Jesus did. We received his sacrifice. Galatians talked about when we received his sacrifice, what Jesus did, we actually partook in his death, his resurrection. We were crucified with him. But all we did was receive. We said yes. We received. I want to tell you this morning, don't ever leave the position of receiving. We're never to leave the place of just receiving, receiving what Jesus did for us. We never graduate past receiving. We never graduate past that. Galatians 3.13, or I'm sorry, Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3 says this. Paul's talking to the church at Galatia, and he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing that I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This was a correction to the church. Saying you guys came into this whole deal, this whole thing was about receiving by faith. Now are you so foolish that you've moved away from just receiving from God and you've moved into a place of I'm going to be perfected by what I do in the flesh. You cannot be perfected by what you do in the flesh. We never leave this place of just receiving by faith. We believe we're righteous by faith. We receive in this position of faith, and we are never to move from that position. Anytime we leave a posture of just receiving and enter a posture of performance and works, we're trying to perfect ourselves by the flesh, and the hamster wheel starts to spin. I, w I often wonder when I see the hamsters, and they're just, sometimes their little legs are just going so fast, and I wonder if in their mind they think they're getting somewhere. Because we can see they're not going anywhere. But there's a whole lot of works happening. There's a whole lot of motion. There's a whole lot of like energy being expended. And this is what happens when we're in this position of performance. It's like we're doing a lot. There's, there's some sweat. There, it looks, it feels like we're moving, but we're not moving. But we're not moving. 
We're never to leave this posture of just, oh, Jesus, I need you. I need to receive from you every day. I need your love today. I need your goodness today. I need your grace today. I need the righteousness of Christ today. I need to walk in what you've called me to do by receiving from you today. If you don't learn to actively receive his love, we're, we're living on empty. If we're not actively receiving his love, we're living on empty, and it's a surefire recipe for burnout. It's a quick way to, to get to burnout if we're not just in this position of just, I need to receive from my father. So we want to continually stay into this position of receiving. Um, I, I've heard Bill Johnson say, He's like, if we have a guest speaker here and there's an altar call, he goes, I'll race you to the front. I will race you to the front. Why, why would he say something like that? Well, one, I think it's his position of humility. He's like, I need more. But two, it shows you his heart position of receiving. He's like, I want to receive. I've not graduated from just receiving more. And, and I feel the same way. Sometimes... Some of the biggest breakthroughs I've got have been when we've had guest speakers because I'm just, I want to be in a position of receiving. I'm like, yep, I need that. And I know, you know, there's always like the lies of the enemy, like you can't go to the altar call, you're the pastor. <laughs> and I think how I overcome that is I'm like, I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be the first one to stand up and, and go to the altar and like just break the shame and just be like, no, I need more. I need more. I have not graduated past receiving more from the Lord. So when, when we're not in a posture of receiving, sometimes it's so easy, and I've been there, it's so easy to go into this position of like, what can I do, and, and how much, you know, what am I supposed to be doing, and, and what can I do for the Lord, and I'm starting to do it out of this position of my strength instead of like, oh, I just need to receive from the Lord, and out of that, the outflow of that will be good works, because we are created for good works, Amen. So when we, get, when we get in that place, it's a surefire recipe for burnout, for sadness, for depression, for hopelessness. So I'd like to submit to you that the only way to love one another like Christ loves us, because that's Jesus' command, love one another as I've loved you. And the only way to do that is to be this open vessel that is actively receiving his love on an ongoing basis. Do you want to know what your job is as a Christian? Receive. Over and over again. Receive his love. Over and over and over. Receive. Receive. Over and over again. Stay in this position of, I need more. I need to receive. I need to hear your voice. I need you to tell me what you think of me. I need you to tell me that you love me. I know that's vulnerable. But we need that. God, I need to hear your voice of love over me. His voice is the voice of love. So when we put ourselves in a position just to hear him, his voice is love over us. Hmm. I'm convinced that this whole thing, the whole gig, 
is about learning to love well. Loving God, loving each other, loving yourself. This whole thing, this whole life experience, it's about learning to love well. I'm surprised we don't hear a whole lot more messages on love. It's this whole deal is about love. Jesus said, you want to sum up the law and the prophets? Love, love God, love each other. He says, this is my commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. This is the whole deal. Love, love, love. God is love. He chose to define himself by saying, I'm love. I love how they didn't fill in a bunch of other stuff. He just said, God is love. That covers it. Of course, we know he's many things, but I love in that passage, we're like, God is love. This is who he is. Receive. Receive his love over and over and over and learn to soak in it. So let me just make it personal. If I'm honest, I can tell you I've struggled with receiving his love at times. I've struggled with receiving his love. And when I'm operating on empty, it's a surefire sign to me that I need to run to the well of God's love. I find myself and I'm like, I feel like I, I'm supposed to minister to my wife to, to like love her or, or speak into someone's life. And there's times where I feel like I don't have it to give. I'm on empty. And this is the surefire sign to me. Oh, I have not been receiving. I need to run to the well of receiving God's love. That's our job. Keep going to that well. Receive, receive, receive. The only way to love your spouse well is to become an open vessel for his love for you. The only way to love your kids well, like to love them in a Christ-like way, is to receive that love of Christ for you over and over and over. The only way that we can love each other like Christ loves us is to receive Jesus' love for us over and over and over and over again. That's the only way we're going to do it. It's the only way to love our neighbors well, let alone loving your enemies. Wow, how do we do that? How do we do that? We need help. We need supernatural help. Can I just be real? I think sometimes, sometimes I'm struggling to love the people that I actually like. So how do I love? My God, I, you said love your enemy. I'm, I'm struggling with just loving my wife well right now. And I like her. <laughs> How do we do that? You know, some scriptures are meant to challenge us. And like the way Bill Johnson puts it is like some scriptures are meant to cut us. Like, like, ow, that, Lord, I don't know how to do that. That's hard. That's challenging. That's offensive almost. But the way Bill Johnson says is he's like, keep pushing that sword in. Keep pushing it in because I need it. That just, it challenges me. How do we do this? By the way, loving your enemies doesn't mean letting people walk all over you. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries with people. How many know that would not be loving yourself well? That would not be loving towards your family well. 
We have boundaries to love ourselves well and to love our families well. And boundaries are actually loving to the people that we set boundaries with. Amen? If you think, like, oh, I can't set a boundary, that's not loving. No, it's actually the most loving thing you can do. Let me give you an example. I'll just give you a, kind of a, an obvious example. I'm not going to let someone who's struggling with drug addiction babysit my kids. That's not loving my kids well. That's not loving myself well. And that's not loving the person well because I'm empowering them to do something that they shouldn't do. So the most loving situ- thing I can do in that situation is to say, hey, because of what you're dealing with right now, I have to have this boundary in place. But if you, if, if you get breakthrough in this area, that boundary is movable. This, is, this challenges the person to come higher, especially when we do it in love. I love you, but I have to have this boundary in place right now. But I love you, and here's, here's how we love people, and here's how we love maybe our enemies, is we're like, how can I help, though? Because I want to see you get breakthrough in this area. I'm here for you to help. But we are supposed to love our enemies. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, Jesus said this. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You ever wondered where that came from? God never commanded us anywhere in the Bible to hate our enemy. There is a command in the Old Testament to love your neighbor, but there's not a command to hate your enemy. But he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. Be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. That passage is intended to challenge us. Challenge us. It challenges me. Is it possible to be so filled with his love that we can even love his en- our enemies? Is it possible that we could just get so filled with his love that we can love our enemies well? You know what it makes me think is God's love must be way more powerful than we think. Because God wouldn't tell us to do something that we were incapable of doing. It's more of a challenge to say, there is so much love available from the Father and from Jesus that if you receive enough of it, you will actually be able to love your enemies well. It's a challenge. And as Christians, we need to say, okay, Lord, I need that. 
I'm struggling with that. That's, that's a challenging thing to me, but I need it. More, Lord. So how do we love each other like Christ loves us? Let's just start with that. Receive, receive, receive. Receive his love for you over and over and over and over again. And we're going to do an activation around that in a moment. Whatever God has called you to do in this life, whatever it is, it's second to just learning to be loved as his son and his daughter. If you put what God's called you to do ahead of that and you don't learn to just be loved as his son or daughter first as a first priority, you could actually become a slave to the thing that he gifted you in that he meant to bring you alive with, but you could become a slave to it because you're doing it for out of performance instead of just out of this place of deep love. Does that make sense? If I'm preaching, if I stand up here and preach to earn God's love or to earn your approval, I'll never have the privilege of just flowing in my calling from a deep place of acceptance and love. That's what God's intended my gift to be for. Flowing in this gift out of a deep place of acceptance and love, not to earn something from him or not to earn something from you. And whatever it is, that God's called you to do, if you don't start with, number one, Christianity 101 is we receive by faith. And then now your job is to, like a child, what does a child do from birth to 18? They're cared for. They're, they're nurtured. They're loved. This is the, where we start. Out of that place of love, now they can begin to do something. Mm-hmm. How sad if we, if we do something that God's called us to do, but we've never learned to just do it out of love. How sad. I think that grieves God. I honestly do. If we're doing it to try to perform something for him instead of just out of this place of sonship, I think that makes God sad. I want to encourage you today that you could just be one tweak, one truth away from a complete breakthrough in your life. If you ever look at a prism and, you know, when the light hits it, there's like a thousand lights that shine out of it. And if you turn it just a tiny bit, all the colors change. Everything changes. You might just be that one little shift from everything changing. You could be one breakthrough, one lie, break, one lie needing to break in your life, and that one lie breaks, and you have tremendous breakthrough. I was thinking of John and, and Peter in the Bible, and there's this, there's this phrase 
in the book of John that's not in any of the other gospels. It's only in this one book. And it's this phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I, I remember reading that like when I was first starting to read the Bible, probably when I was like a teenager. And I was like, who's, who's, who's the disciple who Jesus loved? He must be really special. Like, who is this guy? And some of you are laughing because you know the disciple whom Jesus loved was written in the book of John about John. He's talking about himself. It's like every time he referred to himself, he didn't write it like, then Jesus spoke to John. He'd say, then Jesus spoke to the disciple whom he loved. I love that. There's something powerful there. There's something for us all there. He, when, he, when he thought of himself, he thought of himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Then we have Peter. And we know the night that Jesus was going to get taken to be crucified. He's kind of telling him what's going to happen. And Peter jumps up and he's like, Jesus, I love you. I will die with you. I'll go to prison with you, and I will die with you. He's professing his love, and I believe he did love Jesus. And we know just a few hours later, he's denying Christ. He denies him three times. And when Jesus is hanging on the cross, bleeding to death, do you know that every single disciple deserted him? Every one of them left, except for one. Who was it? John. John was there at his feet with his mother. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Look at the fruit of, oh, Jesus. I'm the disciple that you love. One of the thoughts that probably went through his head is, oh, Jesus loves me so much, I have to be there for him. He, man, I am, like, special to him. Like, he, he just loves me. I need to be there for him. He was the only disciple that was there at the foot of the cross. So we see the fruit of even boasting about our love, and of course, yes, let's boast about our love for Jesus, but I think we need to start with, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And out of receiving love, we love because he loved us. Yeah, we want to get to the place where like, in worship, like, oh, Jesus, I love you. But we have to spend a lot of time in the place of like, oh, Jesus, you love me. First, for that to really be true, for that to really mean something, for us to be like, Jesus, no, I get it. I love you because I've received your love for me. August 23rd, 2003. Do you know where we were at? The hospital. 
we, Joy was pregnant with our first child, Tia, who just got married. It's crazy how fast the time has gone by. And we went into the hospital. And they kept us overnight. And it was uh, a challenging labor, probably the hardest. I mean, easy for me to say, right? <laughs> it's probably the hardest one of, of our five children. Yeah. And she labored all night long and then ended the day. And there was a point on the 24th, which is the day that Tia was born, where they were like, okay, baby's, baby's not coming. And she was already in the birth canal. Baby's not going to come out the birth canal. And so we had to be rushed into surgery, a cesarean section. And that's a traumatic experience. I mean, just having a child alone is kind of a traumatic experience. <laughs> but adding that to it adds a lot of trauma to it. And um, we're, I'll, I'll spare you some of the details. We're in surgery, and we see this beautiful baby get, get pulled out, and we both begin to cry. I'm holding her hand. And then they take us into the recovery room, and Joy, by this time, she's out. She's like out, out, like uh, had a lot of drugs from the surgery, and she's tongue hanging out of our mouth, out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> she's out. And she's getting some much-needed rest after laboring all night long and then having the surgery. And I got to hold this new baby for the first time. And I had a new experience I'd never experienced before in my life. I held this little baby girl, and I began to weep like a baby. Just weeping, weeping, weeping. This lasted a long time. And I didn't care who was around. I didn't care who saw. I was just having a moment. And I was holding this little girl, weeping, weeping, weeping. And this new experience I was having was, you know, with my wife, like, we had fallen in love. You know, that takes time. That takes, you know a lot of time together and, and a relationship built and trust built and you fall in love. But I, this was a new experience. I was instantly, completely in love with this little person. Like, I knew in that moment, oh, I would do anything for this little person. I would die for this little girl right now. She hasn't done a thing for me. I just met her. But I have this instant love. Every parent here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Why do we have that? Why do we experience that? Matthew 7, 11 says this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If, if me as a human, very limited, have this powerful bond to this little person to where I know I'd do anything for them, how much more does the Father love us as his children? <clears throat> how much more does he look at us and he's just like, oh, I love you. I delight in you. I mean, he did that, that thought that we all have when we hold this little baby, like I would die for this. He did that for us. He actually did do that for us. He died for every single person. And you need to make that personal. 
He didn't just die for humanity. He died for Angela. He died for Rayanne. He died for Michael. You need to make it personal. Like, I believe, you know, there's no scripture. This is just my belief. There's nothing to back this up except for what I really, what I believe in my heart. I believe that every single, he thought of every single one of us on the cross. Obviously, only God could do that. But I think he thought of you individually on the cross. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. Before the foundation of the earth, he loved you. Have you ever heard that song, Longer, the old 70s song, Dan Fogelberg? <laughs> yeah, I can remember how it goes. It says, the first lyrics are, Longer than there were fishes in the ocean, Higher than any birds ever flew, Long before there were stars in the heaven, I've been in love with you. That's God. Long before creation, long before the stars were made, long before the earth was made, he was already in love with you. He knew you by name. And that's why I believe he thought of you individually on the cross. I'm dying for Tina. This is for you, Tina. This is for you, Neil. Because he loves us. He has that same experience that I had when I'm holding this little baby, and I'm like, I'd do anything for this little baby. Where do we get that? That's from God. He's giving us a glimpse of how he sees us. God is love. He's the source of love, and he wants everything that we do to flow from love. Bible says, without love, we're noisy gongs. So you could be doing exactly what God's called you to do, but if it's not from this place grounded in his love, it's just noise. <clears throat> I thought about running in the drum cage and just, just starting to slam on the cymbals. And just <laughs> this is what we sound like when we're doing whatever it is that God's called us to do without being grounded in love. I mean, a gong is like the ugliest sounding cymbal. Those would sound a lot better. Somebody's like, I don't know. Maybe gong sounds kind of cool to me. <laughs> would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to tell you this morning that the Father has a deep, deep love and compassion for you. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done this week or 20 years ago. The Father sees you with pure eyes of love. I want to do two things before we close. I want you to ask a question to the Father this morning. 
And you can say this out loud or you can say it in your heart. God hears the thoughts of our heart. But I want you to ask this question. Father, is there any lie that is keeping me from experiencing your love for me? And then listen. Father wants to break every stronghold that wars against how he sees you and how much he loves you. Sometimes we believe a lie that God doesn't love us when we're struggling. Ha, ha, ha. So how, how many feel like you heard something when you ask that question, just raise your hand. Yeah, quite a few. And so what we like to do is we like to laugh at lies around here. I've gotten so much breakthrough in my life from just asking God to show me what lie I'm believing and just to laugh at it. So let's just do this together. So if God showed you a lie, just begin to laugh at it. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> ha, ha. So when we laugh, it breaks the power. The second that God tells you a lie that you're believing, see, deceive, when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. The nature of deception is you, you don't know that you're deceived. So the second he exposes a lie, it breaks the power of that deception. And when we, we can laugh and come out of agreement with that, like, oh, that's actually been a lie. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, number two, I want to do this. I want, to, I want you to ask this question. What is God's love saying to me right now? Just ask that in your heart, or you can ask it out loud. What is God's love saying to me right now? And just listen. How many heard something? Amen. Yeah, a lot of us. If you didn't hear something, keep asking. Keep asking in every situation. God, what is your love saying to me right now in this situation? You can, you can open your eyes. My son, uh, Evan, who's five, just started kindergarten. We, we had this thing, or we still have this thing, where he'll get up in the morning, and he'll just, like, wherever I'm at, he'll come and find me. And as soon as he locks eyes with me, he just starts laughing. <laughs> and, and I start laughing. I'll look at him, and we'll just start laughing. And uh, he actually hadn't done it in a while, and this morning he did it. He came in my, in our, my room, and I was just kind of sitting there just praying, and, and he came in, and he looks at me, and we just start laughing. 
And I feel like I had a, a moment just like where God was speaking in that. And he's like, I, this is how the father looks at us. He's laughing like whenever he sees us, he's happy to see us. He's like, ha, 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 there you are. <laughs> he's happy when we come into his presence. He laughs. He's, he's joyful. He's not disappointed. He's not upset. One time I was, I was crying out to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I want your love to be more real in my life. And he said, Daniel, if you want that, you need to soak in it. Because I was almost like, God, do it. Just hit me, like with the lightning bolt. Like, I need to just make it more real right now. And he's like, if you want that, you have to soak in it. You have to make it a priority to come and soak in my love. Make it a priority in life to stay in this place of receiving love. And one of the ways you can do it is just what we did this morning. God, is there any lie that's keeping me from understanding or believing how much you love, love me right now? And number two is just, God, what is your love saying to me in this situation? Would you stand to your feet? Oh, look at that, 11.55. That's got to be a record. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, teach us to soak in your love. Father, help us to hear the voice of love. I just want to tell you, if you've been hearing any voice that you think's from the Father that doesn't sound like love, it's not the Father. His voice is the voice of love. So God, teach us how to soak in this. Teach us how to receive. Teach us how to live from this place of love. Teach us how to see ourselves as John saw himself, as the disciples, as the people whom you love, Jesus. We need more. We need more revelation on this. I pray that we would get deeper and deeper and deeper revelation of your love, that we would park here. This is not just a good message or just a, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to try to do this a little more than I usually have done. <laughs> but this is like where we live, in this place of receiving love. Receive, 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 receive. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.